What to expect from the Brooklyn Nets this summer? Looking back at an offseason that had moves that might be putting the team in the right direction. We're going to break it all down with Kalen from Brooklyn Netcast right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Doug Norrie. You know me, owner-operator of DFSR.com. If you need projections for our friends over at FanDuel, make sure you go to DFSR.com. Got you covered for MLB, NFL right around the corner, NBA, obviously. Go over there, free trial. It's all there for you. No Adam Armbrecht in the podcast today. That's okay. Huge upgrade. We've got Caleb from Brooklyn Netcast. If you are over in the Twitter streets, uh, you are well, I'm sure at this point, well, well acquainted with the work of Caleb and his team from Brooklyn Netcast. Going to be talking all things Brooklyn Nets on this one. Caleb, how's it going, brother? Good. How you doing? Yeah, we're good, man. Excited to have you in the podcast. Caleb and I have been talking uh, offline here. Well, online, but offline uh, for a while now. Ha- excited to get this uh, rounded up with, I would say at this point, probably one of the most significant sort of I'm going to use Brooklyn Netcast as uh, as the collective, as voices in the Brooklyn Nets world, and really a face of like probably what new media looks like in this day and age of covering a team. Um, we'll get into the Nets, and we're going to get into the offseason. I think you know for those that you know aren't on Twitter or aren't on Spaces and aren't you know haven't just checked into your podcast and stuff like that, you want to give us a quick rundown of like what you guys have been doing um, because I do believe that this is like sort of like the next step in sort of like team coverage and just sort of like team fandom i think it was probably a good another good way to put it oh absolutely so to start obviously we have a twitter account called brooklyn netcast we tweet anything nets uh, as far as any news that drops we're pretty on time with that for the most part uh projections you know takes that we have about the team and just nba in general obviously if you're going to cover a team in a, in a league like the nba that is so volatile so much is changing all the time kind of got to be on top of everything but obviously, you're mostly Nets related in that regard. And also, we're starting up a website pretty soon, which is very exciting. And we're very happy to finally get that going again after we had a website a while back. But we wanted to um, you know, make it better and be more professional about it, as well as we have a podcast. And in Instagram, we don't use a ton, but we're going to get working on that more at the start of the season. And things are really slow right now. You're in the... Uh, oh, yeah dog days at the off season right now where there's not it's like all right man we're posting outfits and stuff out here <laughs> it's getting rough it's hey that that's, that's the way it goes that's the way it goes sometime obviously um it's real it's really worth the check out what they're doing because like i said i think the way that media is starting to starting to shape in some ways especially around like the fam you know we got what we do here at locked on nets which you know we're obviously really proud of and sort of like voice of fan and then you have what goes on in some of the social media stuff which is going to become in this day and age <clears throat> excuse me, more and more important and really more reflective, I think, of what um, the fandom looks like, right? Like a, of just like this, like this general um, sort of feeling around sort of how the team goes. Wanted to talk, uh, and the Twitter spaces are, are excellent too. Um, Want to talk a bunch about the Nets here. Obviously, uh, Caleb you know, knows as much about this team as anybody really going. Uh, so wanted to get some thoughts about sort of like how, you know, the offseason has gone, how this upcoming season, what it looks like, a bunch of things to discuss when it comes to Brooklyn Nets. Let's just roll back the clock here a little bit 
to the offseason. Now that we've gotten things have settled down, like you said, dog days of summer, most yeah. of the moves, you know, short of a roster move or possibly a big trade. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, could come up looking back at the moves that this team has made over the offseason between the, the draft and the free agency. Um, <laughs> you're all good. Um, <laughs> you've got, you got company, you got company in the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes the appearance. Um, looking back at sort of how this has unfolded between the free agent signings, between the draft, you know, where do you see this as like, are there moves that you liked or the moves that you disliked around what the nets have done and just maybe just on a high level, sort of like what Sean Marks and company are sort of putting together. It looks a little different than what they've done in seasons past. Oh, absolutely. So I think this off season has really been about flexibility. I think that's a big word. Uh, just trying to sign guys to shorter contracts that are smaller and making sure expiring contracts can be obviously moved or guys who will be expiring are hopefully, you know, posting up their value a bit. Cough, cough, Ben Simmons. I think <laughs> you'll see a lot of him this year. Um, when at least like, cause a lot of people say like, Oh, he's going to ride the bench and play 15 minutes. I don't see that happening. I think it's like, okay, we have been, let's try to make the best of it and get as much out of him as possible. It, it, that might not be much. It might be a lot. We don't know, but I think that's one of the main goals of this season is trying to raise his value and see what he is now. I think that's very important. And I think they've done some moves to kind of, work with that they've had brought in some guards that can do some more things um in dennis smith jr in case the whole ben thing does not work out um me personally i'm a huge uh dennis smith jr fan uh i actually knew about the signing probably about a month in advance so i was like trying to like bits and pieces get everybody convinced on it like it's gonna like he's a great point of attack defender probably top five in the nba i couldn't name five better if you guys can, by all means, but he's up there. If you watch the tape and look at the numbers from a season in Charlotte, which is really just a bounce back year, and he was the one real bright spot on that team outside of um, Mark Williams. I don't know, you know, he's been really, really um, nice there as a rookie. So they're building something somewhat special over there outside of uh, their, you know their number three pick or number two pick rather that should have been third. Uh, but he was absolutely amazing. And I know the shooting is questionable, but the rim pressure creates the feel he has for the game, his passing, uh, and his defense is just outstanding. And he can guard multiple positions. I mean, there's clips of him blocking Kevin Durant, blocking Paolo, um, locking up guys like uh, Steph to send it to overtime. So he's one of the premier defenders in basketball. Obviously, we're a pretty defensive-minded group, it seems, and I'm very happy to have him added to that. And I think he is a quite significant upgrade defensively over Sumner offensively. He might be a little bit of a downgrade as far as scoring goes, but as far as facilitating and passing, he's far better at both of of those things. So I really like uh, the Dennis Smith Jr. signing. Also, there's no risk. So I don't know why people are really mad at it. Like you're signing him to a a vet minimum. You know, it's, it's kind of a prove it year for him. And I think it's the perfect place for him to be to prove Hey, I'm in New York. My defense, here's what I look like next to a defensive player of the year, Calvary guy, Nick Claxton, and the same with Macau, who did take a step back defensively. But I think it can kind of put it under a microscope. Like, hey, this is what I am. 
Yeah, with with DSJ, it's funny too because like when you think of a POV, uh, 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 POA defenders, right? It's like Alex Caruso, it's like Drew Holiday. The list isn't like too too long of guys that no. actually pop. That actually Lonzo used to be like this, but he's kind of like out of the mix now, right? Yeah. These guys that really pop. Um, and you know, yeah, and you're right, and that's like becoming sort of an industry sort of standard idea around his his defense and something the Nets really just haven't had. They have like willing defenders, but not. Um, not sort of like move the needle kind of guys. It's like, hey, can you switch enough? And can you just last? It could be more than a speed bump, right? And like, and then we've lived through the, you know, we lived through the Patty Mills and Seth Curry days of just like, you're you're less yeah. than a speed bump, right? It's like, it's like you're actually actually targeted as like, you're like an having a accelerator. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right? It's like it's like real real matador stuff. Um, no, so I totally agree with you uh, around these kind of signings. And it, would you put along with him? Would you put the I'll kind of lump them together because it's like Lonnie Walker. Yeah. Uh, I guess Darius Baisley to a lesser degree. Um, I mean, those are the other sort of like free agent moves that they made. Do you find those to be like sort of along this a similar idea, right? Like, oh, as and, well, they're not the same kind of they're not the same players, obviously. So I'm not contending that, but um, yeah, just like the you know, is the thesis the same with these other guys as oh, like yeah. as DSJ? It's athleticism. Yeah, adding athleticism to a team that hasn't had athleticism since. Oh, good lord! I mean, this team has been unathletic for like, but I mean, we we can call that 2018 Nets group a little athletic, but even they yeah, were even lacking. Stretching it. That's really stretching it because like Dinwiddie's pretty athletic. I'll, I'll give him that. Dinwiddie is, um, but D'Lo never was. Karras was, but he was never healthy. And then you had Jared Allen, and then it was a bunch of you know, kind of like vets. Uh, Rondé was always really athletic. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we haven't had an athletic team in over a decade. I think that's more. And fair. then you get guys like just like who grew who roots in the lane, like Lamarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin, who are like the opposite, right? It was like super old. You can't get more. Un, yeah, you right. can't get more unathletic than <laughs> Lamarcus Aldridge. I love Lamarcus Aldridge, yeah. but I mean, what was his vertical? Like, I know that vertical doesn't matter that much, but. Could he, it matters a little. Like, how, <laughs> how high could he jump? I, it was like you'd watch him. It's like, all right, man, he's like seven, eight inches off the ground when he jumps as high as he can, and that might be even pushing it. But yeah, I think it's uh, athleticism. I really do like the Lonnie Walker signing. Obviously, it's also a vet minimum, and I think he is in the same boat. And it's hey, I'm a damn good basketball player, and I'm going to show it here and. Uh, Probably a larger role, Nesma for Dennis Smith Jr. because he was starting um, in Charlotte, but obviously he knows he wouldn't be with uh, Lamelo coming back. But it's for Lonnie at least. It's hey, I want a bigger role. I can shoot the three ball well. I'm extremely athletic, and I will work on the defensive ends night in and night out. He may not be the best defender, but he will go out there and give you everything he has on that side of the floor. But does provide some really nice offensive juice. The three ball when he gets you know locked and loaded and really starts cooking. I mean, he was. I mean, look at the playoff game. Uh, game was it game five, uh, Lonnie Walker, or was it game four that he went off um, against Golden State? It, it was. I'll look it up real quick. There was they, they, they kind of the Lakers kind of swapped a bunch of games around between who was gonna. It, uh, it was yeah. it was game it was it was game three against the Warriors oh, where he scored fifteen. Three. Yeah, and then he was kind of relegated. It kind of dropped off. But we, the, the Lakers were in this situation where it was like, 
they were just hoping for a for a sort of one-offs from a bunch of guys there through the playoffs. All right, I got yeah. a more we got a bunch more questions for Caleb here. Ben Simmons, we'll talk about some lineups we hope to see this year. Um, got to get into Cam Thomas too because my my man Cam Thomas has become a uh, real polarizing among, among the the Nets fans. Absolutely. We're gonna get into that here in a second. First, I'm gonna tell you about our friends over at Fan. Duel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel. You can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets. Here's the key. Win or lose. It's 200 You can spend on betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And if I just get away from uh, MLB for one second, I will say FanDuel just posted their win totals for the Brooklyn Nets and all the other NBA teams. They set the Brooklyn Nets 37 and a half. Caleb and I are going to get into that here in a second as well. Everything you could ever hope to imagine for betting is over there on FanDuel on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. When you win, you get paid instantly. No better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel and NBA, America's number one sports book. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel. All right. Actually, let's let's just go into that real quick. So um, the 37 and a half uh, over under posted by FanDuel um, as a little juice on the over to minus 115. So maybe we end up somewhere like around 38 and a half. At least like in budding, these are like sort of like non-liquid markets, but whatever. Um, yeah. I had said I had originally set my number at 39 and a half when you set. So I was two off and I think I'm going to end up being one off. But um, what do you what do you think when you see that number? We'll get into some of these players, but, you know, 37 and a half wins. Do you think that's low? You think it's high? You think the Nets are sort of like bound for a higher number than that? Like, yeah. how does it pop off the page for you? I'm going to put a lot of money on the over. Yeah, I was thinking you said that. Okay. So my, my thing is like um, some other people share this line of thinking with me and I, I think it's been relatively accurate over the years is when there's a team in the net situation where it's like they have a lot of really solid basketball players and most of them are pretty damn durable and they're a deep team. They're bound to overachieve that in the regular season because teams with stars will be having those stars take games off. Some teams aren't as durable as the nets. Um, Obviously, like Cam Johnson's not really durable. He's had some injury concerns, but our best player just happens to be Iron Man. So I think that ju- does really help the Nets as far as regular season goes and that win total because we really have a group that's going to fight night in and night out um, as far as for minutes. We, we are such a deep basketball team. Guys are going to go out there and say, I got to give it my all tonight. I really want to crack this rotation and you know solidify 15, 20 minutes for myself because they're so – much parody in that spot of the lineup where it's like there's Royce, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr., um, even guys like like obviously Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp. Who knows what the heck's going on with Ben Simmons? Like if they want these minutes and they really want to get some consistent playing time, even like Baisley and stuff too, um, they're going to have to leave it all out, all out there every single night. So I think that will – boost the Nets up a little bit because they are a durable deep team and they tend to do better in the regular season. And obviously I expect them to fall off then in the playoffs and not really make any noise there, but I do expect them to win a good amount of regular season games because they just really are built for the regular season. High level defensive team too. I mean, there's not, I don't think you can name a core with three cores with better defensive players as uh, Mikel, Dorian Finney-Smith, Nick Claxton, Dennis Smith Jr., Ben Simmons, question mark, you know, even guys like Royce O'Neal, um, who's, you know, struggled at times, but when he fit into his role at the end of the season, he played a lot better too, amongst other guys as well that I did not name. But 
we just are a really good defensive team, and they tend to do well in the regular season. So I, I tend to believe that they'll be around the 42 mark. Yeah, 500 feels, or, or you know, that's why that'd be a game over 41, 500. I guess. 40, yeah. 41, yeah. yeah, 41 is 500. So I, I agree with you. I, I agree on all that, and I would just add on to it before we get into some of these more guys. The one thing I would add on to it, which is like a yes and, would be that their motivate they will never have a motivation to tank so like there's just no like like, that alone is actually worth wins in a weird way especially at these numbers because they're just not going to reach a a line of demarcation where they're like all right it's over like portland last year it's like okay it's over we're just we got we got to just put it in the tank there's no reason to do it (laughs) they have no they'll never be able to do it so you might as well never think like that and if they want to just you know keep fans coming I think they're just going to be that kind of team. So I think that when you add the motivation in, that is worth a few wins, especially down the stretch when it's just like maybe they are fighting for 500. Maybe they are fighting for the playing game, right? Like in a, like in a we week were last year. So, yeah, exactly. They stepped, up. they stepped up. They beat Boston. They beat Denver. Um, did they beat Denver twice? And they beat them once in Denver. I think they might have lost them the second time around. Okay, it they, was, they, they had a crazy win in Denver where it like felt impossible. And, and then, um, and then, yeah. and then, but then, I, and I think they dropped the one at home weirdly. But I'll double check. Um, okay. right, but while we get, let's move on to some of these other guys. So Ben Simmons. This is a guy who, when Adam and I talk, it's really funny. Nearly every podcast, even about other guys, because, goes back to Ben Simmons because what we end up saying is. You know, we just happened with Cam Thomas, right? This happened when we talked about actually talked about Darius Baisley. Like, weirdly, Ben Simmons becomes this weird fulcrum in every piece of the conversation because it does feel, even for all of his deficiencies, even on his healthiest nights, his deficiencies feels like just the kind of guy that mixes well with nearly every other guy, except for maybe Claxton, and then you can still make a defensive case um, yeah. in terms of like what the team could just really use, right? Like, and we could go through each, we don't have to go through each iteration, but yeah. Does that, so one, does that make sense about like why it keeps coming back to Simmons, Ben Simmons Two, along those lines? Like, what are your feelings about Simmons going to this year? Are you bullish bearish? Like, do you think that we're going to see a return? Are you cautiously optimistic? Where do you stand on Ben Simmons going into the season? Okay. To, uh, to start the reason, I think that every conversation goes back to Ben Simmons because he's, the most proven player on the team, which sounds crazy. It, let, let me it, like kind of build off that though. Um, he has the most accolades. He's done the most. He's peaked the highest of anybody in this group and is still relatively young. So when you look at it, it's like, okay, this is the most accomplished guy in our roster. And he just happens to be an amazing passer and great defender. And we really do. We don't need the defense as much. Obviously you always need defense more the merrier. Um, but it's passing and facilitating and be able to orchestrate an offense, especially uh, transition, which I feel like we're going to be in transition a ton just yeah. based off how good we are defensively. So he kind of is the perfect piece that we need. Obviously, the, the fit with Claxton, people don't love, but Claxton's best scoring output was quite literally next to Ben. Not when Dinwiddie was the starting point guard, but when Ben was. And not when other guys were filling in for Ben when he was hurt before the trade. It was when Ben was was when Claxton had his best scoring output and they were the best probably version of themselves defensively with Simmons. So also we struggled rebounding. We really need the rebounding. He's arguably the best rebounder on the team. Um, You can make a case for other guys, but I don't really see much of one. Uh, I think it's uh, Simmons. 
So that's why the conversation keeps going around him is we really need a facilitating point guard. We really need rebounding and we could use a little bit more athleticism and, you know, a guy that has proven he's great in this league and has fallen off, but we kind of optimistically hope he comes back. So then, are you opt- are you optimistic about that? So I guess that's my next question is like, do you have a, like I stand in the cautiously optimistic, like I really want it to work. But then when I, I do have moments where I feel like reality sets in, and it's just ve- I find it very hard to make the case, but that could be just me being pessimistic. Like, are you hopeful once we're past that we definitely need him to be the best version of himself for this team to sort of peak? Are you hopeful that there can be a return to, for, for his play this season? I think he will play like he did in November when he's healthy. If he's healthy, okay. I should say, rather. That little late November stretch where it's like, oh, wow, Ben's, you know, scoring a, a little bit here and there. He's facilitating well. He's rebounding well. He's defending at a high level. I, I go back to that Milwaukee game where we, we did beat Milwaukee, and it was Claxton and Simmons that won us that basketball game. I don't know if you remember that game, but Claxton went crazy, and Ben Simmons was playing absolutely amazing defense all game long and really hitting Claxton every stride of the way. And I really do think they're, they do work a little bit better than people give them credit for. I understand the spacing concerns. But Claxton played his best basketball next to Ben Simmons. And that's that's fact. Statistically backed everything. The I you know, I test says as well. Played his best basketball next to him. So uh, yeah, just I, and, and that that game he was 12, 11, and 8. Um in it was like right before Christmas. I think that's the one you're referring to. Um yep. against Milwaukee. Yeah. But, and then uh, by the way, November just to December. just to piggyback your November point, just to sort of like um put an exclamation point on it. Yeah, he had a stretch where he was essentially like a double-double for about like seven games in November. And then it kind of came and went, but then, but this was definitely his best stretch. It was like basically, I would call it like November 15th through, through, basically through that Milwaukee game, honestly. Um, And so like, but you would say like, so so that's that's an interesting, I think that's a good sort of anchoring around Simmons, um, which is like, Hey, that's not 2019, 2020 Ben Simmons, right? Like that's not yeah. all NBA Ben Simmons, but that's also thankfully and hopefully not like uh, February Ben Simmons where we're like, Hey, this guy might need to go into traction. <laughs> like, I, like yeah. we might just like, he might never play again right now. Okay. I, so I think that's a good sort of, like I said, anchor into expectation because it's yeah. reasonable without being like maybe overly optimistic and people can't say that version of ben simmons is gone either like you can't use that that argument can't be used can see people say that all the time that this version of ben's gone well that version of ben simmons clearly is not it happened last season right. and while he was battling injuries so it's gonna be hard to argue that he can't be that again because it was literally last year i yeah, think and- if you get him too then that in that version and if you do the dinwiddie hero swap thingy i don't know what the hell you want to call it um i think that's a really solid basketball team and well-rounded all the way around yeah and like i said i think this is like this is where this is the first thing i'm looking for when it comes to preseason even when it just comes to like the lead up to that is like what does he look like and this is one of those ones i really actually usually hate to use eye tests i really kind of lean more towards statistics most times simmons is the one guy where 
I'd be like, now this is going to be an eye test thing right out of the gate because you could just see it. It was night and day. You do not need to watch a lot of basketball sort of to know when he looks really comfortable and when he doesn't. Um, I want I'm going to get to the trade thing before we get out of here, but I do want to ask you about Cam Thomas. We did an episode the other day about Cam Thomas and just like sort of like trying to predict his future with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Again, a very polarizing guy with even within the Nets community. Um, and I have a feeling very polarizing, even with the organization himself itself. Um, oh, what are your yeah. thoughts on like what has like what the this, is, this, do you think Cam Thomas? Do you, let's put it this way: Is Cam Thomas on the Nets at the end of this year? Let's start there. Do you think he's? Do you think he makes it through the season as a Brooklyn Net? Yes, I okay. do. Simply based off the fact that he has another year after this one that you can keep him under contract very cheap, and you don't find scoring like his often. So even if it is like in theory, like some people think he'll be basically riding the bench. It just happens that guy riding the bench can give you 30 on any given night. I shouldn't say any given night, but I think the point's very clear. When he gets the ball consistently and he plays like 30 minutes, he's going to get you like 25, 30. Hands okay, down. so with that, do you, think he, do you think the Nets have underutilized him then? Because this oh, is another There's sort no of question. bone of contention within the community, which I'm sure you've done probably nearly countless hours on. Is that yeah. is like the idea of like what has actually ha- what is actually happening here with him that the there is a massive disconnect, it would seem, between like what he appears to be able to do and what the Nets are willing to let him do on the court, right? Like what do yeah. you think what do you think is the what is going on there, you think? He's not good defensively. Not a good passer. Tunnel vision at an all-time high. Um, I think that's the main issues. But, like, the one thing that really bothers me that people say a lot is that he can't catch and shoot. Oh, that's wrong. Yeah. Like, I understand in his rookie season, he was a bad catch-and-shoot guy, which he was a rookie. Last year, he shot around 45% on the catch-and-shoot. from Yeah, second-best catch-and-shoot effective field goal percentage on the team last year behind Joe Harris. I mean, of the guys that actually played. Like, that – yeah, he was the second-best catch-and-shoot – shooter on the team so yeah sorry to cut you off but that's just that that statement is i agree with you that statement is wrong no that's that's a perfect um you know statistical backing to it is he can catch and shoot and now that seth patty and joe are gone which by the way cam i know he's not great defensively he's better than all those three and i i don't really you know off the ball defense is probably his biggest issue because he does kind of get lost a little bit sometimes but the fact of the matter is, is he is relatively athletic and can move well, and he's got a really good frame. So he was better defensively than those three, which I think is what bothered me the most, is those three were awful defensively, really weren't giving much uh, – or awful defensively and weren't giving much offensively a lot of nights outside of Joe every, like, four games was having, like, five threes at the end of the season. That was, like that – was, that was nice to see. I'm just happy to see that. Um, but, like – I know you got to use Cam this year. You figure it out. Um, I understand people are worried about him because the Lonnie Walker signing and saying like, "Oh, damn, Cam screwed," which you can look at it that way. But what Cam has to do is he has to go out there and say, "You know what? I'm going to outplay you every single time I touch the floor. I'm going to outwork you in practice every single time I practice," which is tough because Lonnie Walker is one of those nose to the grindstone, hardworking guys. But I, I do believe that Cam has that in him to really elevate himself to a point where it's undeniable that he has to play. And I think he will be on the Nets the rest of the season and have a, his best season to date. Yeah, Adam and I both said trade deadline. I, I, I 
can probably go any way on this. The one thing I want to see with him, it just has to be, and this just backs up your tunnel vision thing. And it's just that the assist, the turnover rate is like too close to one to one for him to like really be viable. And so he needs to get that more. It's like 1.3 to one for his career, which is, it's horrible, right? Like he just needs to be, be if you're like Jalen, if you're like Jalen Brown, you can get away with it. But like, if you're not, if you're not Jalen Brown, like, you know, there's very few dudes that can get away with that sort of assist. If you can get that to like two and a half to one, then I think like we're talking, we're out of that tunnel vision territory, right? It's like, Hey, you're running a little more pick and roll. You're making a little more, just like short re rolls like that. And you can still get into the mid range. He should be able to do that. Like that actually shouldn't be the end of the world for him. Um, It's just that, he just can't do it. It's just like too intent on getting to the basket or getting fouled, which he's elite at, but like, it's still, because oh, it's is, still, yeah. it's tough. Um, before we close out, obviously it's died down a little now, thankfully, but I don't think it's died down forever in the Damian Lillard, Tyler Hero Cause that already just came up sort of on the, on the edges of even this podcast already. This, oh, yeah. you know, the talk of the, of the nets being players or at least facilitators within this trade, possibly for Lillard. Um, going to go into the heat. And like I said, the, the, the noise on this has been ratcheted down. I think it might just be because everyone's in the NBA is on vacation, but like, do you think that this, um, do you think that this thing still has legs? Like, are the nets still in this? I mean, if you still think that they're in it for Dame, go ahead. I don't, oh, but oh, if you no. disagree oh, with me, no. then oh. okay. Yeah, All no. right. So good. We'll move past that one. The nets being in it for hero. And maybe as being a third team to sort of like get this thing done. Do you still think they're in this thing? And would you sort of, would you welcome that move if they did it? I I was against it at first. I still don't think it's a great fit because you would you have mean, to You mean on... hero? You mean hero? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Because you're relying on Ben Simmons then to be himself, which is obviously not how you build a roster at this point in time. You can't do that. It's uh, too many, too expensive of a move to allocate that money to a player and say, oh, well, he'll be he'll fit perfect if Ben plays. But I do think of it this way, is Dinwiddie also isn't a great fit. He's not. He's not a great fit here. Tyler's younger than him. Tyler's better than him. So I, I view it now from that standpoint where it's like, you know what, screw it, get the younger talent. Maybe two years down the line, you can use him as a trade chip for a superstar. Um, or maybe, you know, he elevates his game to a very high level where you don't want to move him. And then God forbid, worst comes to worst, you dump his contract in two years and you and he's not what you wanted. But like Dinwiddie, regardless, is an expiring. He's got one year left. So I think that's the way to go is you wouldn't be losing Dinwiddie for nothing. So that's a plus like we, we did last time. You'd be getting a young player in return who can score the basketball and shoot it at a high level. And at this point, it's like you're, you're kind of just, you know, Fit-wise, throw it together. I mean, Tyler's a better team defender than Dinwiddie is too, by the way. So, like, it's it's marginal. It's relatively marginal. But, we st- like, it's not like it's, oh, this hurts our defense, though. Like, no, it doesn't because he's better defensively than Dinwiddie is. He's better offensively than Dinwiddie is. So, I'm all for it at this point. I, I think it's the right move to do. I think we're in it. I think Utah is the real number two, and I think they have a good shot at it. So I'm worried about Utah. Wouldn't be surprised, but I do think it's the correct move, and that Marks needs to sever that relationship with Dinwiddie because I know they're close. Dinwiddie's just very, very much so loved by the organization, deservingly so because he's a great guy, and has you know played hard for Brooklyn both times. But it's just when push comes to shove, you take the talent, 
knock it off with the relationships like you did with Patty Mills, like you did with Joe, and do the right thing. So I think you got you got to do it. Yeah, I would say like this is one of those ones where I was like, it's fun, been funny to watch the arc on this because I I was, look, I, I always front run my own decisions and then ex- conveniently ignore the ones I got wrong. But this one was where I was like, I was like, you know, even very early on, I was like, dude, he's just so young. It, it just goes bet. I know the contract stinks, whatever. It's like a little, it's a little expensive. Well, the Nets are like, yeah. they're just not in a place where it really matters that much, honestly. Yeah. Like it just, you know what I mean? So it's like if you if you're just young and you have offensive talent and he gets a huge bum rap because of how good the Heat did without him, like. Like sort of the the how good they were in the void of him hurt him a lot more on a narrative level oh, than it probably should absolutely. have. Like right, like they made a huge run without him. That's like not his fault, <laughs> right? And it doesn't wasn't. Make him, doesn't good. Yeah, basically they were not bad because Tyler Hero was not there. It, it, it just exactly. everybody happened to step up. And like yeah. and like I was talking to people. I'm like, you know what? Like I, I'm gonna. I kept asking people this. I'm like, if you replace Duncan Robinson with Tyler Hero. Would they have been better in the playoffs? Of course, it's, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious. It's like you're right. It's, yes. it's, it's exactly. It's just like yes. it's it's a, it, when you ask things like that and very pointed things, usually people don't respond because it's so obvious. But uh, as I'm sure, as I'm sure you've found navigating oh. the Nets Twitter streets for year for years now. Okay, Caleb Brooklyn Netcast, awesome to have you here. This will not be the last time, I am sure. Awesome. Um, if you have not, if for some reason you are living on our social media rock, um, you need to upturn that rock and go follow at Brooklyn Netcast over. On Twitter, these guys are doing as good as it gets, really, just in these spaces, uh, on Twitter spaces as well. Um, and like I said at the beginning, and I mean this with all my heart, like these are the way, this is the way this stuff's going now, folks. It's us, it's it's Brooklyn Netcast, it's a few other places. Like these are gonna, these are the voices of the Brooklyn Nets going forward. Really, really happy to have you, Caleb. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, um, everybody, check out if you are. I know you guys already are, but. Uh, Make sure to check out everything Doug does. He's just really, really intellectual when it comes to basketball and has a really level head. That's something I might I, – I'll admit right now, I am not extremely level-headed all the time. I try to be. But then you just look at, like, what Doug does and what Lockdown Nets does. It's very, very level-headed, you know, intellectual talk. So – Thank you for I appreciate me. that. If you want to see me not level-headed, head, go to the, my Twitter where I said that you can, regular person can't score a point in a basketball game and check out how I spent a week arguing with people about that. And I was like, I would say that's as, the least level-headed I've ever been in my life. So <laughs> other than that, other than other than people touting their own basketball skills, everything else level-headed. But Caleb, really, really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you everyone tune into Brooklyn Netcast. Uh, subscribe to Lockdown Nets YouTube podcast. You know all that stuff. Adam usually ends the podcast with a quote. We'll just say, Today, Caleb, one of the all-time great American poets, will be back again next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.